So David has done that. He's defeated the Philistines. He is a king now. And he is finally at a place where he can rest. Who thanks God for rest? Oh man, brother. I, I love being able to finally feel where you're at a place you can rest. Now in David's rest, one of his primary advisors was a prophet named Nathan. And so we're going to be reading about how significant of a role Nathan played in David's life over the course of the next several years. But today we're going to read about God's covenant promises to David through Nathan. And it's interesting how God sometimes brings about his message to us. God delivered a message today in our service. when God speaks to me. Don't you? I absolutely love it. When God speaks to my life, He gives me security. He gives me direction. He gives me hope. And then all of a sudden, I, I know what my future looks like. I'm not anxious about it. And I just go the direction in which He's called me. When I was 18 years old, I, uh, I, I, I turned 18 the summer after I graduated in July. And that September, I moved out to Eugene, Oregon to go to Bible college. So fresh out of Oregon, about 2,000 miles away from mom and dad, you know, and uh, just learning to live my life on my own. And being raised in a church, I knew that I better find a church really quick. Believe it or not, there's Bible college kids that don't. And uh, anyways, so I found this church that met in a skating rink. It was, a, it, it, was a, it was a church plant they needed somewhere to meet, and they set up right in the middle of this skating rink. And the very first Sunday I decided to go there, they had a prophet speaking that Sunday. Now, being raised in a Pentecostal church, I knew what to expect from, from the prophet. And the only thought in my mind was, please don't call on me. Don't call on me. I don't, I don't want a word. I don't need anything. I am going to duck down in this pew. I'm going to hide while you just go ahead and do whatever you need to do. It's fine. Just don't call on me. Now, this particular Sunday, I had just broken up with my girlfriend, my first girlfriend ever. And let me tell you, I fell head and heels for her, but I made the tough decision because I saw the paths in which our lives were going, and I said, I need to go a different direction. But I was kind of loathsome at the time. I was in my own self-pity. And so I just, I just wanted to be left alone and kept to myself. And anyways, this prophet, he's going around the room and he's finding people. And bear in mind, he's not from inside the church. He was invited from outside the church. And he's, he might go, you, you there in the gray. And then, then he, he'd have a word for them. And this was a man who had a very valid, anointed ministry. And I'm just thinking, as long as I don't get called, I'm good. And then next thing you know, you, you in the blue shirt. And naturally I go, looking for someone behind me. Hopefully someone sitting right on the other side of me is wearing the blue shirt. They weren't. And sure enough, as he calls on me and, and the, the words that he spoke, because I, I was viewing it as the words of, Bob Laughlin, and it was the Word of God being spoken over my life. 
And as he's speaking and he's revealing to me who I currently am, where I've come from, who I currently am, and then spoke to me about direction of what God had for me for the future, it confirmed my spirit immediately. And I knew that God was speaking. And you want to know the coolest part? I I still have that message on tape somewhere. I just don't have a tape player. Um, Because I haven't listened to it in over 20 years. But the, the, the coolest part of that whole message, and it was quite long, where here I was feeling down and out, pondering and questioning my future. And he talked about a date I could mark on my calendar, basically. He said, almost two years from today, you can, you can mark it down. And the, the coolest part was, he said, and when that happens, you won't be alone. And four seats down from me was this blonde girl, or blonde. Oh my gosh, that'd get me in real trouble. My dear, my dear, I'm sorry. Brunette, brunette. <laughs> Bail. We're already in trouble. I was so into my story, I, I just, I was thinking she's brunette, say brunette. She had a blonde streak in her hair at the time, Steve. Okay. If that doesn't break the tension, I don't know what will. So, I just want you to know, if I was reading my notes because I write everything out, I would have said, sitting four seats down from me was this curly-haired brunette that I had no idea would be part of the equation. But babe, if you want to dye your hair blonde, cool with me. Now I gotta bring this back. It's over. I didn't know it at the time, but I wanted God to speak. I I needed God to speak. And there are many of you in this room, you want, you want God to speak. And so as we're looking to this time with David today, I want you to examine what God is doing in your own life and where he might have you right now versus where he had David. So turn in your Bibles, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. And just a reminder, my wife is a brunette. Okay. All right, 2 Samuel 7, chapter 1, or chapter, 2 Samuel 7, verses 1 through 17. I just can't get, gain traction anymore. It's over. It's over. When King David was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all the surrounding enemies, the king summoned Nathan the prophet. Look, David said, I am living in a beautiful cedar palace, but the ark of God is out there in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, go ahead and do whatever you have in mind, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the Lord said to Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord has declared. Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the, day, from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and taberna- a tabernacle as my dwelling. 
No matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Now go and say to my servant David, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I took you from tending sheep in the pastures and selected you to be the leader of my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. And I will provide a homeland for, for my people Israel, planting them in a secure place where they will never be disturbed. Evil nations won't oppress them as they've done in the past. Starting from the time I appointed judges to rule my people Israel, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So Nathan went back to David and told him everything the Lord had said in his vision. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you so much for your word. God, um, today we're reading about David's heart's desire to do something for you, and, and you tell him no. But God, you give great promise with it. And Lord, I, I, I think about everyone sitting here, and God, the things that we're going through, and, and what we're longing to hear from you for direction for our own lives. Lord, I believe that you're going to speak. I thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. I want you to think about everything that had gone on through David's life at this point. We've covered this series now for well over seven weeks. And so we've done a pretty good job of setting up who David is, all the adversity that he's gone through in recent years where Saul and his basically his entire army is hunting for David and David is moving from spot to spot and he's not secure in anything but God just keeps him giving him favor over and over and over again now he's king now he's defeated all those armies who defeated Saul and now he is resting and he looks back on his life and he sees every way God has provided for him, every way God has given him favor. And now he's saying, God, I want to I build this temple for you. I want to honor you by doing this for you. And like David, you know, you want God to respond. You, you want to hear from God. And sometimes God does speak through others, as he did here with Nathan. Here was Nathan. He was a highly respected prophet. He was a confidant of David's basically recognizing, David recognized the favor of God on his life. So David brought him into the fold and accepted his advice. It was David's way of saying, I see God is with you. And Nathan, here he's seeing everything that's happened in David's life. And he says, God is with you. Go ahead and build it. That was Nathan's advice. Go ahead and build it. 
honor the Lord with it. And it was significant that David was at a point of rest in his life, and he was contemplating all those things. God, I want to do something for you. Now, here's the significant thing that we can learn about Nathan in this story, that Nathan recognized the voice of God when God spoke. That is so critical because there have been times in my life where I've had thoughts pop into my head or something that seemed contrary to who I was, and I've thought, God, is, is that you? But here's the thing with Nathan. He knew God's voice. And recognizing the voice of God is critical for a servant of God. It's something we should know right when he speaks. It's something we should be in tune with. Jesus said in John 10, 27, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And when you know the voice of God, there should, be, there should be nothing to question in His voice but to act at what He says. Do what He commands. And so David's issue is, God is speaking to Nathan to tell David, not speaking directly to David. But because of David's relationship with Nathan, he trusted him. And he trusted Nathan's close walk with the Lord. And so when Nathan delivered the word of the Lord, David took it as God speaking directly to him. He accepted it. And this, I, I want you to think about this because the, the, I'm speaking against some crazy charismatic things going on today in Pentecostal circles because this is not something that you just accept the word of from a perfect stranger, right? Right? To, for someone to come along and say, hey, I heard, I heard from the Lord and I want to deliver it to you right now. You know, that, that always scares me. But clearly the words of Nathan, they were confirmed to David's heart. And I want you to know that this church is raising up prophets and prophetesses. I truly believe. And God will use others to speak into your life. But for us, it is a balancing act of making sure we are vetting everything knowing that it is from God. Amen? Because I love it when God speaks to me through other people. When I know it's God. I embrace it. And that is done with a prophetic gifting. And prophetic gifting is both foretelling and forthtelling. And um, I, I want to give you a word of caution, though. Again, we don't just blindly accept something just because someone approaches you and says, I have a word, for the Lord, a word from the Lord. You don't do that. You can be polite enough to let them speak, but you have to verify it's truly from God. And so something I, I wanted to give you this practically this morning. There are five ways you can test prophecy. Five ways you can test prophecy. And the first, most obvious, important one, is it biblically sound? Does it follow Scripture? Because if it's the mouth of God, it will never contradict what He has previously spoken. It will never happen. If, and if Scripture speaks against it, don't discount some of it. Throw the whole thing away. As far as I'm concerned, it's all junk. If part of it goes against Scripture. The second thing, does it represent God's character? Do you see God's character in it? Or is it contrary to His character? And church, I, I, I want to say this. With what you know about God, 
does it line up with what you're hearing right then? That should check in your spirit. Because God's never going to go against his own character. Third thing. Does it speak to the inner witness of the Holy Spirit? You know, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, it gives us unity in the work of God in what God is doing. Okay? So, so that means that hearts can link together just when we meet someone else because of that inner work of the Holy Spirit where we know it's good, we know it's of God. And so when that word is spoken, there should be a resonance with the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the Holy Spirit will prompt us to agree with it even if we don't understand it. Number four. Speak with trusted counsel. Once you've received a word from the Lord, if you don't understand it, if you're confused by it, speak with someone you trust. And here's the thing. I I, I want you to understand this. Just because you speak with Him, don't let their opinion make a final determination. But in the process of interpreting the information you have received, we need people to speak objectively and spiritually into our life. Amen? To help with that direction. And then number five, to kind of cap this all off, is there confirmation? Does it confirm what God is already saying to you? Because as we mature in the Lord, His voice and His word should be our primary source of direction. I'm going to say that again. As we mature in the Lord, His voice and His Word should be our primary source of direction. Okay? So then a prophetic word, it can come along and it can bring confirmation. Or sometimes you might receive a prophetic word and you're like, that doesn't line up with anything in my life. That doesn't make sense. Don't just buy it immediately. Because here's the other thing, church, and I can't emphasize this enough. As much as I like to hear God speak to me through other people, we should not run after a prophetic word instead of cultivating to hear the word of God in our own life on our own. Okay? Because let me tell you what's happening. And and this this did happen to me. There was a period of time when, when he spoke over my life, there were times where I'm like, man, if I could just hear from God. If, some, if God could just use someone else to speak to me. Missing the whole point all along that I should be tuned in enough with God that I should be hearing from Him regularly and He is giving me direction. Oftentimes what God does is He uses someone else to confirm what He is already doing inside of me. Because we cannot just embrace anyone's spoken word over our lives as the gospel. It's dangerous. And there are Pentecostal churches out there that is telling everyone in their congregation, you all have the gift of prophecy. Now go prophesy over one another. No. No. Don't come up with me with a word from the Lord for me either after service. I know what you're up to. She's a brunette. (laughs) 
because here, here's what happens. If we start, if we start aligning ourselves with, I want someone to speak over my life, and, and going out and seeking that all the time, and we start embracing that as the gospel, that is no better than what the Bible calls soothsaying or contacting a medium or always seeking a word for our lives because it, it removes God personally from us and saying that I want it from other people. And the Bible calls that divination, which we should want no part of. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. And guess what? They're masquerading around as Christians, some of them. A true prophet will appreciate when you don't just take them at their word and will seek confirmation. The next thing that I want to talk about is when God says no. There are many times in my life where God has spoken and he's told me no. Or not now. Now, everything in our main text we read this morning, this was all initiated because David is sitting there in his big, beautiful house, and he probably, as he was lounging in a hammock, I'm guessing, he's looking out his window, and he peers and he sees the tabernacle from his window. And he's thinking about this lavish life he is now leading as this man he's been, he has been hiding for many years, he has been fighting wars for many years, and now he has this lavish lifestyle, and he's thinking, I don't deserve this, because look what God has. And so, I think that everything that he was doing at that moment, and we talked about this last week, David had good intentions in building God a true temple. Amen. So the intentions were good, they were right, but that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's purpose. And God's response to David's plan, on the surface, it might seem a bit crushing. And I, I want you to listen to this as I say it again. Because he says, in, starting in verse 5, it says, Are you the one to build a house for me to live in? I have never lived in a house from the day I brought the Israelites out of Egypt until this very day. I have always moved from one place to another with a tent and a tabernacle as my dwelling. Yet no matter where I have gone with the Israelites, I have never once complained to Israel's tribal leaders, the shepherds of my people Israel. I have never asked them, why haven't you built me a beautiful cedar house? Let me interpret this for you. Aaron's paraphrased version. Did I ask you to build me a house? No, I didn't. That's basically what God is saying right there. Now, what we don't realize is, is we do this. We, we do this for God. We do this for other people all the time. When Wendy and I uh, were youth pastors here, uh, the church bought the house next door. We were the first ones to live there from the church. And we moved in, and I remember as we were approaching summer, the, the air conditioning, I don't know now, Ellen, but the air conditioning then was a little sketchy. And so it got quite warm in the house. And I told Wendy, I'm like, you know, we need a pool. We need to get a pool. 
And she's like, you know, I, I don't know. And I thought, you know what? Her birthday's coming up. I'm going to get her a pool for her birthday. And guys, I learned my lesson. Now, I might as well have just taken a big magic marker and wrote Aaron's present all over it because that's exactly the way it was received. I walk out in that backyard so proud of this pool, and she's like, I want nothing to do with it. I've learned my lesson now. But God gave the same reaction to David. It was the same exact reaction. The point is, with God, He is the one that sets the plan in motion. That's the difference. When we follow the direction of God, God, check this out, God doesn't need anything from us outside of our obedience. Our obedience, church. Boy, you know what? I've never preached about obedience this much. I mean, the greater part of the last 10 months, that's all it's been about, is obedience, it seems like. But when God says no, the, the amazing thing about him, he still uh, says it in a manner that leaves you at peace. Because if you read everything that he spoke to Nathan, it was good. And David might have even came to this conclusion when he wrote Psalm 119, 103. He says, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. God offered David rebuke plenty of times. Some we'll get to soon. But this exclamation means that God's word provided life-giving direction. It provided purpose. It provided peace for his life. And church, you and I, we need to accept that for our lives and what we do and the direction we go, that God knows best. He knows best. Now, here's the thing I do know. We are going to ask God for things. In fact, we are encouraged to ask God for things. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, he says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now, that does not mean you're like, okay, all right, I saw GMC has this new Hummer out. That's what I want, God. Just let it be in my driveway when I get home. We're good. And that's not the kind of things that we're talking about when we're asking. Because if everything stems from obedience, we're already going to be obeying God, doing the will of God. And then in turn, through our obedience, we'll, we will be seeking to do God's will in everything that we do. And so the selfishness, those other things that seem to matter when we're apart from God, don't matter anymore. But as we learn with David here, David had good intentions, but God might say no to us. But just because God tells you no on, on your personal desires doesn't mean he doesn't have the perfect plan for you. See, because instead of me dictating what, what I want to do for God, when, when I instead let God direct, I will be more satisfied and fulfilled and be given a focus that then in turn affects the kingdom of God. At the end of the day, isn't that what it's all about? To having an effect on the kingdom of God? To the greatest capacity possible? 
And if you are serving a God who is omniscient, he knows, he knows all things and he sees all things and he has a plan and purpose in your life and he has this active work that he can do if you seek him wouldn't you rather go according to his plan than your own because you can't see that future you can't possibly know what it looks like you don't know who you're going to affect tomorrow god does he knows who you're going to affect many of us when we when we get in our old age goodness we might start pondering, did I do good things? Did I, is my name great? Does it carry weight? Did people learn from me? Do they appreciate me? We might ask questions, even as believers, when we get older, was I effective for the kingdom of God? Did I follow out after God's purposes for my life? And again, I want to tell you, God is all-knowing, so His plan is better than yours. So if you go back to be rooted in obedience, it doesn't matter the answer to that question. Because if you have obeyed God, you have fulfilled His will, you have sought out after Him, and God is going to have a reward in heaven for you because of it. Are you guys hearing me this morning? Okay. Might need life support after this. Goodness. Now, you guys are probably also going to get sick to death of me talking about my missions work. But I, I remember when I was in Bible college, I, I went to be a missions major. And in fact, after Wendy and I got married, she switched her degree to missions work as well. She's a brunette. Brunette in the second row. Um, and anyways, we, we go to Papua New Guinea for two months. We come back, and the future director of Global Missions for Open Bible wants to take us out to lunch. And I, for us, missions majors and everything's on the horizon, it's getting excited. It's like, okay, here we go. You know, get, get, like starting to see everything line up. And I remember distinctly, and you, you can see the way God's work now, and it's absolutely amazing. But I remember we sit down at lunch, and he says the big question. He says, so, where do you want to go when you become a missionary? The one question I have never sought to answer as a missions major and I said, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have any connections where we could go start a work somewhere. I, I'm, I'm not sure. And I remember I, I wrestled with that thought and feeling for so long because i got to seek the Lord in this because I don't know. Now, I can tell you my, my parents will think I'm quite a nerd. In fact, my wife will still tell you I'm a nerd because since I was a little kid, I have been captivated by other cultures and what's going on in other countries. And I've just sought to learn and learn and learn. And I've been doing that over the course of my entire life since I was a little boy. And that's all I've really cared about. You know, PBS back on Sunday nights, they used to show all the, the nature programs and the other tribes and stuff like that because National Geographic featured everything on PBS I'm that old guys okay so 
I was fascinated. I was, I was captivated by all that. And here I was, not being able to answer the director of the uh, global missions department where I wanted to go. Well, 20 years later, I, I know why that was my heart then. Because God wants to use me a little bit everywhere. And I'm good with that. But let me tell you at that time, I was thinking, okay, now we got to make something happen here because he's ready to send us. So we were just in Papua New Guinea. That sounds pretty good, right? I mean, we know some people there. I mean, naturally, we could just go there. Here's the thing about Papua New Guinea. Like the United States, they, they claim about 70% Christian, right? I'm sitting there going, you know, I mean, we could. Don't know if we should. But I was trying to force my will to make something happen. And I am telling you, every time we force our will to make something happen, even if we know a a small glimpse of God's plan, even if we say, okay, I've got this small glimpse, God, so I'm just going to take it and I'm going to run with it, I promise you it will fail every time. It will fail according to God's will and purpose. But if we seek Him, if we let Him just start setting things up in our life, I would have never believed that He would have been fulfilling that some 18 years later, but He did. And sometimes God takes a great amount of time to fulfill His promises. Look at Sarah and Abraham. Right? We have example after example after example. Because God, oftentimes when He speaks also, He doesn't just fulfill it instantly. Because there's always work for God to do in molding your character and creating you into who He wants you to be. And so, you and I, many of us, we want to know what God's plan is for our lives. You might even have, if I went into your houses, you might even have something on your wall that has Jeremiah 29.11 on it. And you might read that and you say, oh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Yes, God, I believe it. I am waiting on your plans. And you are clinging to those things. But many of us don't have the discipline to wait and follow his instruction and be okay with a different plan than what it is we desire. Because not every time God speaks is it going to be something that I want to hear. Or want to just cling to an embrace. But as we talked about last week, if we remain obedient, God will use us for His great purpose. So the last thing I want to talk about is when God speaks and makes promises. You know, here going back, returning to our text, God promises to make David's name great and build a temple through his lineage. And as much as God told David, your plans are not my plans, your ways are not my ways, God instilled promise into him. Think about this. David, a man now, a a king of a nation, went from being just a shepherd boy to slaying a giant to defeating other nations in war to being hunted down by a king is now the king of a nation. He has seen it all. And all of this is because of the favor of God. And I am telling you, church, there is nothing more rewarding for a parent than God to speak over to your life and say, this is what I'm going to do with your lineage. This is is what I'm going to do through your children. 
You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that same thing could be said for Saul. Saul was Israel's first king. And now David... Saul, he wasn't looking to God. He wasn't thinking about future generations that were going to be king. He was only thinking about himself. Now David is being spoken over and he can start praying over his children. Pouring out, teaching his children. Because they're going to be the future leaders of Israel. And so all of a sudden, David's attention is turned in this promise. Where now he is clinging to the hope of tomorrow for future generations. Listen to verse 11 through uh, 16. It says, Furthermore, the Lord declares that He will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make His kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure His royal throne forever. I will be His father and He will be my son. If he sins, I will correct and discipline him with the rod like any father would do. But my favor will not be taken from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from your sight. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. What more could a parent ask for? You know, I, I, as a parent, I want my kids to succeed. I want God to do greater things in them than he's done in me. I, I, I want to see them have God's best. And so David, he might have stopped dead in his tracks building the temple, but make no mistake, he is right where God wants him to be. He is exactly where God wants him to be. David is listening. He's obeying He's honoring God with his life. And what I've learned about God is he pours out promise. He pours out blessing and favor to the faithful when we seek him with all of our heart. Psalm 119, 133. Guide my steps by your words so I will not be overcome by evil. By God's direction and doing something else, what might God be saving us from? Maybe ourselves. Maybe some other situation that is unforeseen. But mark my words, God wants to speak out and he wants to use those who have a heart out after him to seek righteousness and just simply serve him. David, being a king, he was also a servant of God. He didn't pursue the title. He didn't seek it out and say, this is what I want. He didn't say, God, make my name great. Instead, God, God promised it. I want to read that for you. In verse 9, I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have destroyed all your enemies before your eyes. Now I will make your name as famous as anyone who has ever lived on the earth. Look at what God can do with a life that is obedient and willing to serve. I believe, church, God wants to speak to you. He wants to make promises to you. But something that we have to search for in our own heart is that if you're wanting God to speak, are you seeking Him for the right reasons? Is it to pursue His will or so that He can affirm to yours? 
Are you wanting Him only to speak about you, about your situation, or because you have a heart to serve? Are you wanting the blessing and the favor without the personal sacrifice? Those are things that we have to weigh. Listen to this quote from C.S. Lewis. It's in his book, Mere Christianity. He said, give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day, and death of your whole body in the end. Submit with every fiber of your being, and you will find eternal life. Keep nothing back. Nothing that you have not given away will, really be, will be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself, and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ, and you will find him, and with everything else thrown in. Matthew 16, 25 says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up for your life for my sake, you will save it. Jeremiah 29, verses like that, it seems so great because we're thinking about our will and the things that we want in our life. Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not of disaster to give you a future and a hope. But there is a caveat to that verse. If you go on to Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, so many of us in this room, we want the promise of prosperity without the sacrifice of self. And so what God is asking you to do, ultimately, if you truly want to hear from God, He's saying, I want you to lay it all down. I want you to lay it all down. I want you to just be obedient to what I've asked you to do. And as you're obedient, He is going to keep pouring out and He's going to give you direction and He's going to give you life-giving promise and He is going to give you things that help build His kingdom. And next thing you know, your will is being molded into His will. And so the only thing that you want to do is please and honor Him with your life. Church, that's who I want to be. And I hope for your sake that is who you're longing to be because that is when God does his work. And it's his best work. So many of us, we, we think, well, God, I've done this, this, and this, and this, and this for you. So what? If it's not for God, or, 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 or if it wasn't directed by Him, so what? But to lay our life down, to say, God, it's, it's all yours, and I'm going to do what you ask of me, that's the heart He's longing for. Will you bow your heads? Brian, if you could come and just strum on the guitar. And I, I, I believe today, this is what God wants to do. He wants to completely strip down everything in our life. Our pride, 
our selfishness, our own ambitions, everything that drives us where we might say something like, I want to build this for you, God. Instead, God says, follow me. Obey me. And through that call to obedience and just being obedient in all the small things in your life, what God is going to do is He is going to speak and He is going to speak regularly and you are going to know His voice. And then God, what He does over time, He gives you these building blocks of faith where He gives you things that you can step out in in trusting Him to answer. And then God starts doing bigger and bigger and bigger things. And you start to see how great God is and the great things He can do. And then your life becomes a testimony for the world to see the goodness of God. The greatness of God. But it's not going to be because of you. And if your name is made great, it's going to be because God did it, not because you did it. So if you are here today and you say, Pastor... I need to surrender my life over. I need to surrender in order that God can speak. I need to submit to being obedient to Him in order for Him to speak. If you say, Pastor, that's me, would you raise your hand? Praise God. Praise God. Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to just stand up where you're at. A moment of surrender and obedience. Just stand up where you're at. Our prayer altar team, I want you to go where they're at. Find someone who's standing and go to them. I want you to just do business with them individually right now. Pray over them as I pray out loud. Lord, you see those who are standing here, God, you know their heart. Lord, you know the circumstances what have led them to this point. God, you know all their even inner battles that they might battle against themselves. And God, I believe you make it so clear for us that Lord, in order to honor you in order to bring you glory we need to do what you ask and God sometimes we can get in the way of that because we have our own ideas about how to honor you and bring you glory 
And God, some, sometimes we let sin get in the way. God, sometimes we let worldly ideas get in the way because, God, you have created us with, with our own will. You have made us an independent people. And, God, I pray that that all be stripped down right now. And, Lord, I ask for total dependence on you, Father. A need for you daily in our lives where, God, we are seeking you, we are listening for your voice, and we are constantly being obedient to you, which is a part of doing your will. Lord, for each and every person standing here, I pray that you will show us exactly what obedience is. God, that we will be dedicated readers of your word, that we will be dedicated in prayer, and that, Lord, we will follow what your word is speaking over us. Lord, that we will also respond to the promptings of your Holy Spirit, Father. We won't hesitate, but we will act. Thank you, God. Lord, I thank you for the ministries going on all over this room. That God, today will be a day of commitment. Lord, to just doing what you ask. Not overcomplicating it, Father being obedient to you in all the little things. And Lord, I know that you're going to speak out. You're going to give great things for these people to do as they step out in faith, Lord. And God, because of their act of obedience, your name will be made great, Father. 